Today we are going to recognize our graduates. Uh, we've never done Graduate Sunday virtually. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that everything seems to be, you know, interrupted by this. You know, graduation ceremonies across the country have been postponed. Many of them have been canceled. Um, you know, things like prom, that got canceled. Uh, things like spring sports, those have been canceled. People are hoping for fall sports to come in. You know, is football going to come back? That's a big hope. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of coaches are hoping that their, their players are going to be able to come somewhere in the end of summer and start that conditioning, start that, that time of, of training over the summer to be able to play in fall sports. You know, high school coaches, they're going to be hoping to get their, their boys in there for, you know, I guess what we refer to as hell week. It's that week where everybody's got to run extra hard, work out extra hard. And the goal in all that is to get everybody physically fit and conditioned so that they can play at the level that they're going to play at, that they want them to play at, to be able to compete. Now, I've noticed that as you advance through uh, different levels of playing in sports, once you get to uh, maybe say something like the NFL, there isn't a conditioning time. You know, there isn't like a hell week where everybody takes, you know, the entire summer off, they let themselves go, and then they come back and, you know, get conditioned, get ready to play. Because when you're getting paid millions of dollars to play football, uh, they expect you to show up ready. They don't give you a, a week to get yourself there. They don't give you a month to, to condition yourself. They give you a test when you come in. When you come in, you know, right back from taking, you know, maybe a month or two off, they give you a test, and you've got to pass that test to be able to show that you are at a physical level where you can compete at the level that they want you to compete at. Uh, unfortunately, however, you know, most of us in life, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we don't sort of treat ourselves that way. We don't, we don't act like we're supposed to always be ready. We don't act like we're supposed to always be fit. We don't act like we're always supposed to be able to compete in life. I see people, you know, this happens with them spiritually. They, they sort of view Sundays as a day of spiritual training, and they go, yeah, I'm going to get, you know, fit spiritually on Sunday. I'm going to get conditioned spiritually on Sunday. Sunday, I'm going to really put it all in during that hour. I'm going to sing hard. I'm going to listen really good. I'm going to take notes in the app, and that's going to make me, you know, a devout Christian. And then come Monday, they sort of forget that they're a Christ follower. You know, they maybe don't even pray once. They, you know, they don't even crack open their Bible. They don't even think about how they might be able to help somebody else. And they just sort of forget about that. And, and they, you know, get out of spiritual shape until Sunday comes. And then they use that time to, to get, you know, again, in their mind, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get spiritually conditioned. And people wonder, you know, why is it that I'm not getting anywhere in my spiritual life? It's because we're not realizing that we're supposed to always stay ready. We're supposed to always be prepared. In some ways, people have viewed Christianity simply as sort of this salvation exercise, that, that if I do this one thing and I get right with Jesus, then perhaps what will end up happening is, you know, I'll make it to heaven. And, and what ends up happening there is we miss out, or rather we even get frustrated because we're not seeing spiritual benefits in our daily life. You know, we don't experience the fullness of joy. We don't experience a relationship with God. We don't, we don't feel in communication with the Holy Spirit. We, we feel disconnected spiritually. Because we sort of view Sunday as that opportunity to train, as opposed to an opportunity for us to sort of celebrate. And, and here's what I want to say, is that Christianity is more than heaven. And we can have more through Christ. That, that's, that's the big take-home, I think, is that we can have more through Christ because Jesus gives us direct access to God's blessings. This is what He does. 
He didn't come just to die on the cross so that way you could make it into heaven. And then, you know, meanwhile, your whole lifespan here is, you know, it's, it's hit or miss. You know, but heaven's going to be great. Uh, he came that you could experience a fullness of life in relationship with him right now. But unfortunately, many Christians, maybe you, uh, you don't think about it that way. A lot of people looking at Christianity go, you know, I'm going to put that off until later because that's something that has to concern with the afterlife. Right now I'm going to live this life. And I think what, what happens is we realize or we forget that Christ came to give us life abundantly starting now. In some ways it would be sort of like buying a plane ticket only to be able to go into the airport never to get on a plane, never to be able to go someplace else. You just bought a plane ticket so you could get past security and you could go hang out in the terminal, and then after a little while you're going to come back out. People that, that sort of get Christianity so that way they can you know, go someplace else, what really ends up happening is they're missing out on everything else that God has for them. You know, not that long ago we uh, upgraded our Sam's Club membership and I heard other people say, you know, I did that so that way I could get in you know, a few hours earlier, this, that, or the other, and this is all pre-quarantine, all pre pre that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't really care about getting in earlier. I didn't care about a lot of that stuff. But when they told me that I could actually have my membership paid for because we spent so much money at Sam's Club that they would essentially give me a membership for free by upgrading, I said, man, that's, that's, that's a deal. That's what I want. And then as a result of that, I got all sorts of other, you know, benefits that come along with it. You see, Christianity is one of those things where God says, I want to have a relationship with you. Uh, yes, I want to spend eternity with you, but I'd like for eternity to start right now. There's a whole lot more that God wants to give to us right here. Now, I want to say this. It's not a get-rich-quick kind of scheme. This isn't something that promises you're never going to get sick. You're not ever going to have a bad day. Your car's never going to break down. You know, your dog's never going to run off and any of that kind of stuff. Life will still be difficult. But the promise of Christianity, the promise of Jesus is that he will be with us always to the very end of the age. That was his promise to the disciples. And the book of Hebrews celebrates how through Jesus Christ we have access to so much more than most of us take advantage of. Uh, throughout the, the reading this morning, I'm going to read mostly from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, because I think he gets the message of this. I think he gets the essence of what the, the text is trying to communicate. Now, I want to look here at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and following. It says, now that we know what we have, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Uh, let me tell you, I think one of the great encouraging words that Jesus has for us is that he's with us right now, that he wants to give us this help. He wants to give us this mercy. He is ready to give it. Let me tell you, Jesus right now is ready and able to help us with this life, not just the next life. If this quarantine's caused you to sort of sit and take stock of where you are personally and where you are spiritually, and if you've looked around and you've said, man, I'm not really happy with who I am. I, I want more in my life. I would like to have more you know, in my relationship with God. God is ready to give that to you. You might say, man, this is a time I really need to get this under control. Maybe it's a bad habit or an addiction. God is there, and Jesus wants to help you overcome that. Maybe you realize that you've been quarantined with this spouse that you don't really know, and your marriage isn't all that great. And now that you're actually having to spend some time together, you're realizing that, man, there's problems there. 
Well, let me tell you, God wants to help you with that too. You might have realized through quarantine that, that, man, your kids are completely disconnected from you. You don't know who they are, and they don't know who you are. And you're going, man, how can I recapture the heart of my children? How can I, how can I make that connection? God wants to help you with that. God has come to give us so much more than just eternal life. He's come to give us abundant life. We can have more through Jesus. God is just a prayer away. You know, if you're stuck in that rut and you're in that place and you're going, man, I just don't know why I'm not experiencing more of God, odds are it's that you've not tapped into those resources. Odds are it's that you've never prayed and said, God, would you help me with this? Would you give me more? Odds are it's that you've never, you know, looked in Scripture. Odds are it's that you've never talked to another Christian and said, how are you dealing with this in your life? God wants to give us those resources. We're the ones often that neglect ourselves of them. Uh, I, I, Hebrews talks about a few different things that, that, that sort of block our ability to access the full blessings of God. I want to hit a few of them here. Uh, we deny ourselves God's best when we first do this, when we refuse to try to understand, when we just give up trying to understand. Here's how Hebrews says this. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. The author of Hebrews is saying, listen, we've been communicating this to you. We've been trying to say this to you. We've been trying to get this message out to you. We're hoping that you get this, but you just, you're not even trying. You're not even trying to understand. Now, here's, you know, there's two sides to this pendulum here. One side says, man, Christianity is all about information. That if I know all of these, you know, pieces of information, if I know all of this stuff, then, then that's going to sort of be what means I've got a good relationship with God. That's not it at all. You know, you can know all sorts of stuff about somebody, but not be in a relationship with them. That's what we call stalking. You know, you know everything about them, but you have no relationship, no personal connection. Other people in Christianity will swing the other way and say, well, I don't need to know anything about Scripture. I don't need to know anything about God's Word. I don't need to know anything about that. You know, and they go all the way over here. It's just about this relationship, just about this lovey-dovey. No, no, we call that infatuation. You know, one of these is, you know, trivia. The other is infatuation. You know, it's emotion with no knowledge. Uh, Neither of these are healthy. When you are in a good relationship with somebody, you love them, they love you, you have feelings you know, of care for that person, and you grow in knowledge of them. You start to ask, you know, what is it that you like? What are the things I could do that would make you happy? You know, what, tell me about yourself. Help me to understand you. As we grow in knowledge of God, our relationship gets deeper. The problem is so many people, once they realize that, man, oh, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I've got salvation. Then they cease to ask, well, what else is going on in this world? What else is going on, God, in your heart that, that maybe would be something that I could be a part of? When we refuse to try to understand, and we don't open our Bibles, we don't maybe read a devotional. I mean, there's so many that you can get now, you know, electronically delivered to you for free. There is no excuse for us to stop trying to understand the deep things of God. And if you're not, let me tell you, you're missing out because Jesus has given us more than salvation. The second thing people do is they refuse to live out God's truth by faith. Hebrews 5.12 says this, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. In some ways, this is a throwback to some verses we looked at earlier. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, talks about how there were two different kinds of people in the Old Testament. 
Those that knew about God, but were outside of his will, and then those that knew God, and they were inside of the will of God, and they were experiencing God's fullness, they were experiencing God's blessings, the others were disconnected. What was the difference between them? The difference was real simple. It said the people that were in God's will had decided that they were going to live out what they knew. They were going to take a chance on faith, and they were going to say, God, I'm going to take it your word, and I'm going to you know, do the things you've asked me to do and see if I don't experience blessing. And sure enough, it, it works like that. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, they've been told, you know, through Scripture that God wants us to, to love our neighbors as ourselves, And yet they go out and they conduct the world as though the entire world, you know, revolved around them. They conduct their business as though everything was just about them. And they don't give thought to their neighbor. They don't care for their neighbor. They don't show love or compassion to their neighbor. And they wonder, you know, why am I alone? Why do I feel, you know, disconnected? Why don't I have, you know, life-giving relationships? Well, it's because you've not loved your neighbor as yourself. You know, that's what's happened there. You've refused to live out these truths in faith. I get that it's scary. You know, people go, well, if I don't look out for myself, who is? Well, that's sort of what God, God said he would do that. And so if we leave that to God and, and we allow ourselves to, to care for others and love others and, and show them compassion and mercy and kindness, then, then you know what happens? That, that all reciprocates. I can tell you that when you live according to God's plan, you, experiencing, you experience the blessings of God. So you've got to start living out God's truth by faith. Third thing that people do that blocks you know, their blessing from God is they refuse to be discerning. Hebrews 5.14 says this, Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Yeah, a lot of Christians, you know, they, they come to church and then they just kind of do whatever their impulses lead them to afterwards. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever, I'll, you know, I'll go wherever, I'll watch whatever, I'll listen to whatever, you know, I'll hang out with whoever, I'll do whatever, and, and we don't spend any time discerning, is this what I ought to do? The author of Hebrews says, listen, if you're going to coast through life mindlessly and you're not going to ask yourself, well, what, what would Jesus do in this situation, or, or, or how would Jesus respond in this situation, or, or how would Jesus interact with this person, or, or how would Jesus consume this media? Would Jesus consume this media? Maybe this media is actually harmful to somebody. You know, if we're not being discerning, God says, you know, listen, you're not, if you're not even asking the questions, you're never going to find the answers. If you're not asking the question, is this right, is this wrong, you're never going to know. And yet so many of us just sort of coast on autopilot. We just do whatever we want, you know, do whatever feels good, do whatever seems to be in vogue, and, and we miss out on God's blessings because we're not actually taking the time to be discerning. Uh, the fourth thing here that, that a lot of people experience, it blocks full blessing in their relationship with God is this, is they choose to rehash the basics over and over and over again. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this. He says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercise on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turn your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust towards God, baptismal instruction, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us, we're going to stay true to all that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. There is so much more. Again, so many people come to Christ and they go, man, I, you know, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to have a relationship with him. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. And, and that's great. But they forget that God is saying, listen, why don't you go ahead and walk into this fullness of life that I've got prepared for you right now? We can have access to so much more through Christ. God wants you to grow with all that he gives you in Christ. He, he wants you to grow in your faith. 
Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, it's got some pretty strong language if you read through the text about falling away. You know, I used to think this was a really big warning, and, and, and I think to some extent it probably is. But if you look at these verses in context, you see that the, the section right before these verses is talking to a, a group of people about the basics of faith, to a people of faith. And after this section, there's this celebration, we'll look at it here in a second, about the work that's been done among God's people, where the author writes this, is we are convinced of better things in your case. And so here's what's happening. You're going from an affirmation of salvation based on their life, and, and then you have this darker passage, and then you get to this other section about losing salvation, which then you know, concludes again with this affirmation and celebration. And I think, you know, as I've looked at it a little bit more, I think what these verses are here is telling them to move past it. I think what the, the author is really saying is, uh, of course you're saved. You know, if you didn't care, you know, if you were stuck, if you were outside of God's will, you wouldn't care about these things. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening. So get unstuck from your fear. Get unstuck from this obsession with this and move into the fullness that God has for you. And yet so many people get stuck in this place. Now, I can't overemphasize how important the decision is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, to, to allow God to save your soul, not just now, but for eternity. That's the most important decision we can all make. But if you know Christ, and God is saying, listen, why don't you grow past that? Why don't you grow out of that? Why don't you allow that to grow up in you? Why don't you have more? Hebrews 6, 7 through 8 describes this. It says, parched ground that soaks up the rain, produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener. It gets God's well done. But if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. Fields like that are burned, not harvested. You, you see what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's, he's likening our life with God to like a, a fertile patch of ground that constantly is getting rain, that, that's growing, you know, that's there in a prime growing condition. As though God is constantly pouring blessing after blessing after blessing on people. You miss out on that if you view God as a one-and-done kind of thing, where God gives you one blessing and that salvation, and then you're done with it. God views this as a relationship where He's continually investing in us, watering us, providing us with blessings. What blessings have you had just today? I mean, you got up, you know, hopefully you're able to eat something. Hopefully you're able to text somebody or at least see on, you know, Facebook that you're connected with people socially that want to get back together with you. There's so many blessings that we have. You, you've tuned in here, so you've got at least the resources to be able to do that. And, and you have an interest in God. So, so there's something there in your relationship. God has given us so much. We need to allow those blessings to grow up into something that is amazing. You think about it this way, maybe in terms of like a marriage. You know, a lot of people, you know, the most time they spend in church can maybe be at their wedding and then at their funeral. I, it's kind of funny, but, you know, I, I, you know, just hang with me for a second. You know, people get married in the church and they're like, man, you know, we want to be married in the church. And, you know, they don't go to church, but they want to be married in the church. And, and you know, we're going to say our vows before God and everything. And then can you imagine if after that wedding... They said, you know, well, we, we did that marriage thing. You know, you go live your life, I'll go live my life. You know, and then in like, you know, 50 years, we'll get buried together in the same church in, you know, the graveyard out back there. And then they completely split for the rest of their life. It, nobody does that. It's ridiculous to even think that this would happen. Why? Because you don't get married so that way you can get buried next to each other. You get married so that way you can share life together. And that's what happens when we accept Jesus as our Savior. 
and when we accept him as our Lord. You see, Jesus says, listen, I want to be your Savior, and more than that, I want to be your Lord. I want to be your friend, your constant companion, your, your, your guide, your, your trailblazer. This is one of the words that Hebrews will talk about. Jesus says, I want to show you the way through life that is abundant and life-giving. I don't want you to just show back up again at the end of it. I want to spend life with you. This is what God wants. This is what the book of Hebrews is challenging us to, is to have more in Christ. And when we live each day in loving faith towards Jesus, that's when we experience His grace, and that's when we get assurance for eternity. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12 says this, I'm sure that won't happen to you. This is the falling away thing, friends. I have better things in mind for you, salvation things. God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown Him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep at it till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. What's the best way to make sure that your friendship is going to last into tomorrow and it's going to be there years from today? It's by being a good friend starting right now. What's the best way to guarantee that your marriage is going to last a lifetime and it's going to be there tomorrow when you want it to be there. It's by investing in it today. What's the best way to have an assurance that, that we are living with God and we're going to celebrate eternity with Him? It's by living faithfully right now. When we live today in God's blessings and, and steward those blessings the way that God asks us to, when we you know, live our life and, and we treat it as a gift from God, that's when we start to experience the fullness of God's blessing. And when we do that, that's when we receive the assurance of our hope for tomorrow. And so here's the challenge for us this week, is let's take God with us into every situation. Not, not just on Sunday, not just at church, not just a prayer before meals, but just in the quietness of our own heart, in our decision thinking, you know, making, in, in our thinking when we get stressed out, or our thinking when we get nervous, in our thinking, you know, when we're trying to make a decision, Let's ask this simple question, you know, where is God at work in this? How is God bringing this, you know, as a blessing in my life? How can I live faithfully to God here? And let's try to do that. Let, let's be mindful of God, not just on Sunday for an hour, but, but let's live mindfully of God throughout the week. I'm convinced that if we were to just simply think about Jesus in our situations throughout the day, that we would automatically become more like him. I, I really don't think we'd even have to try. If we would just ask our simple, that simple question, where is Jesus here? What would Jesus want me to do in this situation? For some of you, you might say, man, I just really feel like I'm stuck in my faith. Well, go back through that list we've looked at. Maybe it's because you're not trying to understand the, the things of God. Maybe it's because you're not living out what you know to be true. Maybe it's because you're not even thinking. You're just sort of coasting through life. Or maybe it's because you're just stuck back there on the basics. And God says, that's great, you've mastered that, let's move on. The challenge for all of us is to say, man, God, how can we experience your fullness in life? And let's try to do that this week.